at least they're, uh, they're not finished anyway don't think they're gonna uh, uh, light the tournament up let's put it that way could there be a telepathic link between the brothers I'd just have him straight in that starting 11 I'd yeah. put him in there over over Eden Hazard three world-class players in every position Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lane's Locker Room. This is the second in a series all about the groups at this year's European Championships. This week is all about Group B. My guest this week is another fellow podcast member of the Put Your Foot On It podcast, Lewis Blackmore. Hello. How are you doing, Lewis? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Are you all right? Yeah, fantastic. It's nice to, nice to have you on here. Like I said to Jack yeah. last time, it's uh, nice to have someone else I, I know personally. Yeah, good to be here, mate. I think... We're going to jump straight into it, to Group B. Um, we're going to leave Belgium to the end. I think we'll talk about them at the end for obvious reasons. Of course. So if, we, yeah. if we jump straight into um, to Denmark, Lewis, can you touch on what you think Denmark's chances are at this year's tournament? Yeah, I mean, in that group, I know, I know we're going to talk about Belgium later, but I think uh, Denmark have a real chance. I mean, we've seen uh, recently with the World Cup qualifiers just what they can do. I mean, the goals they produced in the last sort of international window, I mean, really amazing. I mean, in that squad as well, they've got like a good mix of youth and obviously well-experienced players. I mean, like Ericsson, for one, is uh, probably the key player in that team. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think they've got a real chance of doing something at least. They've, um, you mentioned Christian Ericsson. Um, I think another big player for them in this tournament is going to have to be Hoybier for Tottenham. Yeah. Obviously, Tottenham haven't had the best of seasons this year. Obviously, we've just seen Mourinho leave and they're starting to falter a bit, but he's had a really good partnership in the middle of Endombele. And I, I think teaming up with Delaney and like, I think just looking at what Denmark play in a 4-2-3-1, he'd, he'd work really well as a holding midfielder with Delaney given the option to run and with Ericsson in front of them. I think they've got a really good midfield free there. Yeah, I think it's um I think it's gonna be key for them that midfield because um I don't think their squad's got the depth of say, well, Belgium, for example, in that group. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, they've got this, the the players there to excel. I mean, a starting eleven, you can't really get much stronger than what they've got. I if um anyone listening listened to my one from last week with um with Jack, he did bring up Andreas Christiansen. Yeah. Um he's had a standout season for Chelsea this year and I I think he could put in a really good shift with um Simon Kier and with Schmeichel in goal I mean you've got a strong very very, very strong goalkeeper back there and we've seen what yeah. he's done with Leicester this year yeah I mean look he could be uh you know in the top four with Leicester this year I mean he's likely to be in the top four with Leicester this season so I mean he's been a big part of that for Leicester and you know he's been at Leicester for a long time now so he's had a very steady club career and if anything, he's just been getting better over the years. And yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a it's a good choice for Denmark, isn't it, really, to have Schmeichel in goal? I'm not really too sure about the other keeping options, but um, yeah, I mean, Schmeichel's pretty solid. So yeah, Definitely. Um, we just touched on the, the youngsters in their team. Um, there's not too many. I've done as much research as I can, but it looks like... Um, Jonas Wind and Kasper Dolberg would probably be... I think I think another one to add to that is probably Andreas Skovolsen as well. Yes. Because yes. I think he he was a um, big part of why they did so well in the last international window for the World Cup qualifiers. I remember looking at him and thinking, yeah, that's an exciting young player they've got there. 
it's the, the struggle they've got is to fit all their attackers in because they've also it's got true. Yusuf Poulsen as well and Martin Braithwaite. Just say, of course, you can't forget Martin Braithwaite. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he he hasn't done too well, but then he he has just been shoved straight in the limelight at Barcelona. So it's like he either had to perform fantastic or not at all. Um, we we are forgetting as well. We haven't mentioned that Denmark have won this tournament before. Yes, um, of course. 92. Obviously, we weren't around for that one, but then they didn't qualify for the last Euros. So it's it's a hard one because they've got a fantastic team. It's whether they can play well together. And we've seen in um, qualifications, they finished second in their group, four wins, four draws. That's not really the best qualification scores, if you if you think of it, getting four draws. But then they see no. them, which is also a good thing. It just shows how good and strong their defence is. Yeah, um, right. I, I agree. <laughs> 100%. So next up, we've got Finland. Now, I think it's fair to say from both our point of views, Lewis, we don't know much about Finland. But not not too much, no. <laughs> they, they've got a good core. Um, Timu Puki and Glenn Kamara um, are probably the two standout names. They do have... Um, Lucas Herodeki, Bundesliga goalkeeper. By Leverkusen, he's been the number one for a couple of years now. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just looking through their squad, and I don't really recognise a lot of the names, if I'm honest. Apart from those, I mean, obviously with Puki, that's a really good goal scorer you've got there. I mean, sparing Norwich back to the Premier League in the Championship this season, he's been on fire. So, in terms of form going into European Championships, I mean, you probably wouldn't want anyone else, would you? Definitely. Um, as well, he could strike up a really good strike partnership with uh, Brentford's Marcus Force. Of course, who, yeah. Obviously, they've got Ivan Tony, so he hasn't played as many minutes as he probably wanted this season. Um, but with the Premier League suitors coming after Tony, I, I think this European Championships could really boost Force's chance of being the main striker next season for Brentford's. I don't know what you think about that. I mean, also, it depends on when Brent, where Brentford are going to be next season because they could well make the playoffs and get into the Premier League next season. What do you think? Are you not sure? Um, it's a hard one. They faltered many occasions now. and gonna... I, I, think, I think you're right, though. I think, um, obviously, if um, Brentford don't go up, I think Tony would probably move on to a Premier League club. I mean, I imagine there are a lot of suitors who'd like him next season. Well, they've, it's happened before. Molpe's gone. Uh, ben Rama's gone. The only one left out of that attack, Watkins has gone. The only one left is um, Brian and Brian and Buemo. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's the only one left out of that out of that attack they had. Um, and Tony coming up from League One to the Championship, he's pushed Force out a bit. But I honestly think if if Brentford stay in the Championship, Force could really push away into into that Brentford starting eleven, Yeah, and also, you know, this, this European Championships is a good excuse to make a name for himself, isn't it? You know, playing with Puki. <laughs> Definitely. And we, we know Puki's got the experience. I mean, when Norwich came up to the Premier League last season, everyone thought that Puki was going to go on and score 30 goals after the start of the season he had. And then, obviously, yeah. the rest of his team forgot how to kick a ball. So that's why he ended up back down in the Championship. Uh-huh. I mean, we could probably talk about Norwich on a, a whole different podcast, but, I mean... Yeah, you're right. Definitely. Um, we've got to touch on this is Finland's first ever international tournament as well. I've, I didn't realise it was their first ever tournament. They, they've clearly put in the work to, to get to where they are now. Um, 
six wins and four losses in qualification. Could they be a dark horse, Lewis? In that group, no. Straight I, don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it, they're going to struggle against the likes of Belgium and Denmark. Maybe, maybe Russia could be a, a strong competitor for them, but I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure. It's not like they have star players like they did back in the day with Yari Littmanen and Mikel Forsell. They don't have those players anymore. Exactly. But at least they're, they're not finished anyway. Sorry, bad joke. I love that. That's going straight in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's two teams covered and clearly an underdog and a more than likely suitor to get into the top two of the group. Next up, we have Russia, who I've always seen as a, as a hard team to market in any tournament because you don't know what they're going to do. No, that's true. It's very true. This crop of Russian players now is new. Um, first thing we've got to touch on is this will be their first tournament without Igor Akinfeev in goal. First time in 14 years after having 111 caps that we're not going to see him at a tournament. It's definitely going to be weird to see someone else donning the Russian kit. But they have a good keeper in Anton Shunin. Shunin, yeah. But he's old. <laughs> like, this, again, will already be the only tournament he plays in. Obviously, we have the World Cup oh, only next year. But experienced, of course. Oh, 100% experienced. And he will bring that to what is a very misshapen Russian side. Another another couple of standout players uh, we have is Mario Fernandez, who he's been there for a while now. He's been strong at uh, CSKA. He's not a glamorous right back. He's not marauding forward. He's not like a Trent Alexander-Arnold getting up the pitch and whipping the ball in from the byline. But he's a strong bloke and he he does a lot for the CSKA team. And I think the the, the player we've mainly got to touch on, Lewis, as I know you've done your research in, is Alexander Golovin. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's he's been a, a force for Monaco this season in Liga 1. And uh, I, again, I, I remember picking him out as a key player for them in the last international window with the, for the World Cup qualifiers. And yeah, I think he could be quite an exciting prospect for this Euros. 100%. Yeah, like, like you said, obviously they've got um, Mario Fernandez still playing at the age of 30 at the, at the, in the defence. That's uh, a good experienced player with lots, plenty of tournaments behind him. And uh, obviously they've got um, Artem Zuber up top, another experienced player. Uh, Denis Sherachev is another one. Zerkov in midfield. So these, these are players you've seen at quite a few tournaments over the years. And uh, yeah, I, in terms of dark horses, I think they probably could be if they really wanted to go for it. But, I mean, with the prospect of Denmark and Belgium to play, it's uh, be a tough one for them, I think, to get out of that group. Yeah, it's not the easiest of groups. And you mentioned um, Zuber, who he's definitely a hard striker to play up against. Any defender is going to struggle because he's a, he's a big guy. He can hold the ball up. He, he does like to score goals. I mean, he's six foot six. So yeah, there's not many, that, yeah. not many centre-backs are going to out-jump him for the ball. But I've just got to mention Golovin again. I mean, he burst onto the scene, obviously, at the 2018 World Cup, got himself a goal and two assists. And obviously the move to Monaco has pushed him more into the limelight and he's helped what has not been a great Monaco side this year. It doesn't help in that league that Lille, Lyon and PSG are completely running away with it. Exactly, yeah. He's been a standout player. And the, the the one youngster I want to touch on is... Maxime Mukin. Now, I might have 
butchered that. 19 years old, made his debut in the World Cup qualifiers. He's one to watch, definitely. Yeah. He's, he's got it about him. And I could see him pushing to get into that starting 11 throughout the tournament. And there could be a big move on the cards later this summer. Possibly a Premier League, maybe follow Golovin to the to the French League. Somewhere around there. Top five move for that youngster. Um, as well as as well as Denmark, Russia have technically won the Euros uh, as the Soviet Union, and they've been a runners up three times. And obviously, that cool. was a mix of countries back then. But they did get to the semis at Euro two thousand eight. I mean, none of those players are still around anymore. But they did go out in the group stage in the last tournament. Yeah, um, yeah. What can you say? You know, I mean, they've they've got a bit of pedigree about them. I mean, they. I mean, I always sort of remember them qualifying for Euros. I'm not sure what about the stats for that, but I mean, you always are likely to see a Russia side at the Euros. Yeah, I mean, going it coming out of qualifying, they had eight wins and two losses, so they didn't do do they didn't do bad at all. Pretty good, yeah. Really good qualifying, and like we've we've mentioned, Golovin, and I think he will be. He's going to be their main player. I think if an injury to Golovin before or during, that's it. Their Euros is over. I don't think they'll do anything about him pulling the strings in the midfield. Oh, I mean, although I, I, I'd say that they've got a good mix of youth and experience in that side. I mean, obviously they've got um, Junior and Gaum, Fernandes at the back, but then they've got players like Golovin going forward. And also, I can't remember who you mentioned. But Maxim, Maxim Mukin. Mukin, yeah. I mean, also a bit of youth up front, you know, as well as obviously Zuba up top. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see how they do, but um, I, I'm not confident, if I'm honest, to see them get... I don't think they're going to uh, uh, light the tournament up. Let's put it that way. That's fair enough. I think, well, we've left the best team to last. Um, Lewis, lead the way with Belgium. I mean, what can you say about Belgium that hasn't already been said? I mean... I, I, are they still number one in the world, ranked? I, I believe so. As of recording, they are the number one team in the world. I mean, uh, aside from France, I think they've got the best squad going into the European Championships. I know uh, your previous guest, Jack, was very keen to talk about Belgium and uh, he uh, tipped Belgium to do quite well. But um, I mean, in terms of the group, I mean, you can't really see them not, not getting out of that group, can you? I think... Yeah, Denmark, them against Denmark will be a very interesting game because many have said how uh, defensively Belgium aren't as strong as they have been in the past. Obviously, they've lost company now, haven't they? Yeah. But I mean, you've still got Courtois in goal, who's having a brilliant season at Real Madrid. I mean, that that midfield as well, they could have like De Bruyne having a magnificent season at Man City and doesn't look like he's going to stop anytime soon, okay. producing the quality he's produced all season. And obviously, you've got Lukaku up front now, who's been rejuvenated in uh, Serie A into Milan. I mean, he's almost a different player now, isn't he, to the, what we saw at United and obviously uh, before that at Everton and Chelsea a little bit as well. He's in he's going to lead into that title, and he rightfully deserves to be leading the line for for Belgium. And you you touched upon De Bruyne. Um, some other older heads in the team. You've got Aiden Hazard, Axel Witzel. Yeah. Hazard on form could light this tournament up. Oh, he could, from what I'm seeing on here on Squawker, is that they're predicting Belgium to play a 3 4 3 with both the Hazards on the same side. Now, could there be a telepathic link between the brothers that helps Eden just perform at his best like he was at Chelsea? Because 
I think everyone in world football would love to see that Eden Hazard again. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you've touched on it there, but um, obviously he's been very unlucky with injuries in Real Madrid and also he hasn't really been able to make his name in the Real Madrid side, has he, at all? I mean, Vinicius hasn't helped that as well. But, um, yeah, you'd love to see someone like Hazard come in at the European Championships and just, like, rejuvenate himself and come back to the form we know of him. Obviously, that got him the move to Real Madrid in the first place from Chelsea. But, I mean, look at, looking through the rest of their squad, I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of players they have that might not even make the starting eleven most most games. But, yeah, <laughs> the experience they have that they can bring on from the bench, you know. I mean, Dries Martins, Dembele, I mean, Trossard even at, at, at Brighton, you know. I mean, he should probably be starting for Belgium, but he, most likely he won't. Because, I he, mean, he, because he plays for Brighton. I, I literally think yeah. that would be the only reason. And obviously, you've got another Premier League player we know of is Tielemans, obviously, he, playing for Leicester. He has had an absolutely standout season this yeah. year in the Premier League. And he doesn't go... I think he goes under the radar quite a bit. Absolutely. Because, because it's Leicester. If you stuck him in, like, the Man City team, he could be one of the best players in the world. I think with players around him, he could be as good as De Bruyne. I don't know if that's me putting out one of my awful shouts there. I think he's probably a different type of player to De Bruyne, isn't he? He's not so creative. I mean, we've known him to be creative. He certainly goes forward, but I think he's more of a leading from the mid sort of midfielder, if that makes sense. Not not obviously playing a more of an attacking role like De Bruyne yeah. plays. But obviously, I mean, we forget he's only 23. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And also, uh, I think in terms of a young player to look out for in the Belgium squad, it's got to be Jeremy Doku. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's also he's all uh, he's, you know he's already like proving himself to be a uh, one for the future, hundred percent. And I, I think he probably could do very well at this tournament as well. At the age of just eighteen, you know, I mean, I'd shove him in there. I'd shove him straight in that starting eleven. I'd yeah. put him in there over over Eden Hazard off on form this season for Ren. He has been fantastic. He's got two goals and six appearances for Belgium. He has been lighting up the French League. Oh, yeah, not with the most amazing team, but he is an unbelievable player. I mean, you could just think of other 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 players they could bring in. Obviously, Castagna at Leicester as well, another another Premier League player. I mean, he's had a pretty good season, although he's been um, bogged down with a few injuries. He hasn't done too badly. Uh, obviously, Dan Donker at Wolves. Uh, Dennis Pratt, another Leicester player. So I don't, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to struggle getting out of their group, to be honest, at all. A hundred percent. I've got to touch on two other youngsters in this team. You've got um, Yari Vasheran at Anderlecht and you've got Alexis Salamakas, uh, AC Milan. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Two fantastic players. And you mentioned earlier about the squad depth they have, just like France. I reckon you could make two whole 23-man squads that could both... You could separate Belgium B and Belgium A and they could go all the way through a tournament just having two separate 23-man squads. That's how much quality is in that Belgium team. Yeah, 100%. They've got so, so many youngsters. I've just got to mention as well, you've got Zeno van Huytsen, who's at Standard Liège. But then you've got older heads as well. Thomas van could come back in. You've got... Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, who could both um, get back together after a season away from each other. Bet they'd love that. Jason uh, Jason Denier, who Jack touched upon in um, the previous podcast. Yeah, who's another, a fantastic another, season at Leon. Yeah, another one is Nasser Chadley. I always sort of forget about him as well. Yeah, Adnan Yanazai's had a fantastic season. Hans oh. Van Aken, 
Um, another youngster, you've got Albert Sambi Laconga, is another youngster on Delect with um, Yari Vasheran. Yeah, you got um, like, we, like I, mean, I said, we could uh, talk for hours about this team. They're unbelievable. some others as well. Obviously, you've got Batshuayi, Carrasco, Munir. I mean, I'm just reading from a list now, but <laughs> it's just unbelievable. The, the, the team could go on and win the whole thing, there's no doubt in that. They've um, they've shown that um. 10 and 0 in qualification. So already done it. <laughs> it does. Most recent finish was the quarterfinals at the Euro 16. They have finished runners up in 1980, so they've never won it. But then you go back in time, they've Belgium have never had world-class players until this crop now. It's this last 10 years that we've we've seen it from when Hazard came up as a youngster and De Bruyne 10 years ago. This was this was meant to be Belgium's era, and it would make sense for them to go on and win it this year. But then even when this era is over, you then lead into Jeremy Doku, Yeri Vachera and Alexis Salamakas, and you've got another 10 years on top of that. Yeah, you've already got the next generation just sitting there waiting to come in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty scary, to be honest. I mean, even, even from an England perspective, I mean, we have enough young players to talk about, and we have obviously spoken about it quite a lot and put your foot on it. But um, it's, it's quite scary from an England perspective to see, like... France having that much squad depth and, and obviously Belgium as well. It's uh, it's a scary prospect for most fans of in the Euros, I think. It is. It definitely <laughs> is. I think we'll, we'll wrap up. That's wrapping up the, the group talk. And now get into my questions. This is where it's where I scared Jack. So hopefully it scares <laughs> you as well. Who are your favourites to escape this group? I, I obviously know you're going to say Belgium's number one. Who are you putting through in second? It's got to be Denmark for me. I, I think I've sort of alluded to the fact that I think Denmark are probably the second strongest in this group. And uh, I don't really see them um, not escaping, to be honest. I, I think they've got the talent in there, that Denmark squad. And I, I think, you know, Finland don't really have the... I mean, yes, they've got Puki and players like that, but I, I think Denmark are just that bit stronger than them, aren't they? And obviously Russia could be... a. It could be a dark horse in that group, but I don't think it's likely, to be honest, especially, you know, how strong Belgium were in qualifying. Also, Denmark were pretty good as well. So they sort of already have the um, pedigree to really show what they can do in these finals. Now then, who do you think wins the whole tournament? Hmm. See, my uh, esteemed colleague, Jack, said uh, Belgium. I know that, but I- I've got to go for the uh, that sort of same part of the world, but I reckon it's France, to be honest. I mean, obviously, recently, well, I say recently, a couple of years ago, obviously, they won the World Cup. And uh, I, I just don't think there's anyone stopping that French side. I mean, I've said I've said a few times on Put Your Foot On It. I mean, I'm sure you can find the episode if you really want to listen. Uh, <laughs> said a few times that um, France are just, I mean, the squad, I mean, obviously, Belgium have got squad depth, but I think France has got that little bit more squad depth, to be honest. And... Uh, I mean, just just the world class players they've got. I mean, obviously Mbappe is the one, isn't he, at the moment? Uh, yeah, yeah, taking the G to new levels this season. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you could probably talk about France all day, but just that squad, man, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. It's it's definitely a nice nice squad to look at. Just in general, just seeing all the names, like like I mentioned about Belgium, the amount of players you have. Like there is a graphic somewhere that you can have a look on Twitter where they show the different and the amount of players per position for France. You can have four or five, maybe six world-class players per position. There's not a team like that 
in world football. There isn't. England have nothing on that. If you just go off a of pure quality and quantity together, France would France should win on paper every single thing going at the minute. I mean, you always see the scary graphics of like they can put like three world class players in every position. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just scary to be honest. It really scary. Is. Now you've mentioned Mbappe, you've mentioned Lukaku. This leads into my next question: on who do you think is going to be the winner of the Golden Boot? Uh, see, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, I mean, from, from an England perspective, I'd love if it, if it'd be Harry Kane, like he did at uh, the 2018 World Cup. But I, I highly doubt that's going to happen again, to be honest. And like you say, I think it's probably going to be either Mbappe or Lukaku, and I think Mbappe is probably going to be the one. If I'm honest, I, I, I can't, I can't argue with it because. No. He's currently the best footballer in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. I think it's, uh, you know, obviously there's the whole um, uh, Mbappe and Haaland debate, but I think Mbappe just tops him a little bit for me at the moment. At the moment, definitely. There's just so much more at the minute I see to Mbappe's game. In terms of potential, I mean, they're both obviously got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, like, worth to them and they've got so much potential. But I think Mbappe is just, yeah, he's killing it right now. We've mentioned the Golden Boot winner. Now, who do you think is going to win the player of the tournament? Yeah, see, that's difficult, isn't it? Because, not necessarily, I mean, necessarily, you don't have to be the best player in the tournament and score the most goals. Um, I mean, it could well be a Belgian player. I mean, I could see Belgium going quite far, to be honest. I'm saying, obviously, France could win, but I think Belgium could go far. Yeah. And I, I could see De Bruyne probably being player of the tournament. If I'm honest, that's fair enough. That's again can't argue with it. I can just envisage him being a leader in that uh, Belgian side, and yeah, I, the quality he's brought to the Premier League. It'd be a shame not to see that at the Euros, wouldn't it? Really, I would. Um, he, I believe, he goes into this um, this tournament as the vice captain for for Belgium. I can't remember who the captain is, but I'm pretty sure he's the vice. He's a team leader. We've seen him for City. He can play anywhere across the front three. He can tuck back into midfield. With a player who can do everything like that, you should think that he could lead his team to glory. And at 29 years old, this might be his last Euros. He's got the World Cup next year. I mean, it's like like Jack and me said last time, it's crazy to think the World Cup is only 18 months away. Yeah, that is scary. <laughs> but... De Bruyne could light up this tournament. If, if there is any player who could do it, it is him. We've seen it for City. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the hardest one, I told Jackie wasn't allowed to say England, and you're not allowed to say England either. Which <laughs> team are you most looking forward to watch? I mean, obviously, from an England perspective, I would say England. So you're, you're right to not uh, let me allow... Uh, not allow me to say that. I mean, that's good. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm quite excited to see France play, but also Belgium as well. I mean, just just the players in that squad, you just think, God, how, how much more of a chance do they need, you know? It's, it's so tough, though, isn't it? Because uh, in terms of an underdog, I, I really can't wait to see what Turkey can offer, to be honest. Yes. I same, mean, I'm going back to that as well. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, they've just been really exciting recently, haven't they, in the World Cup qualifiers. And if they can bring that sort of form into the Euros, I yeah, I, I think they could be an exciting prospect as well. And I'm I'm sure 
you could you could list off the exact same reasons Jack did and the uh, Yilmaz and Chalhanoglu. Absolutely, yeah. Now, the, the final question before we end, do you see a big upset in the tournament? Do you see, you've mentioned Turkey, could you see a team like that going on and winning the tournament? Or do you think one of the standout teams, such as France, Belgium, Spain, Germany, England, could go on and win? I had to put England in there. <laughs> um, well, I, I I don't think someone like Turkey could win the whole thing. You know, this, this might come back to bite me, I know, but uh, I, I think you're right. I think one of the obviously standout teams, like you say, Belgium, France, Spain, Germany, England, hopefully. Um, I, I I'd like to think that they probably will win it, win the whole tournament. But I, I I could see Turkey making the quarterfinals, something like that. You know, I I really think they could do really well. I see this as being one of the best tournaments we've had in our lifetime, just because we've had so long without a tournament now. I mean, you know, there's been so much hype going into this tournament. I I don't think it's going to disappoint, to be honest. I am going to backtrack on what I just said about being the final question. I've got to ask you the same thing as Jack. What is your actual thoughts on the tournament being played across the whole of Europe? I mean, just as Jack said, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it, at all? I mean, <laughs> we're in the midst of a global pandemic and they want certain teams to travel thousands of miles to play a couple of games. I don't think it would be as bad if, say, a team had to travel to play the whole tournament in one different country. But take, take Wales, for example, they have to travel 3,000 miles to play two games. I mean, it, it doesn't really make a lick of sense, does it, at all? It doesn't. I, I'm glad you've said the I, same thing. I, I like the idea of it, but maybe not during these times, because obviously football is for the fans. And obviously if so many fans around the world can see European championships happening in their country, it's brilliant. But I, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, does it, at the moment? Yeah, the idea, fantastic. The execution, not so much. Basically, the, the, the timing is just all wrong, isn't it? You know? It is, definitely. Now, I think that brings it to an end. You've touched on some really important uh, topics within the group, the players you're looking forward to seeing and the teams. Thank you very much for coming along, Lewis, and just spouting all of your knowledge. Well, thanks for the insight. Thanks for the invite, even, not the insight. (laughs) That's that's fine. Thank you very much. Because you said insight. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Um, You'll be back on in a couple of weeks with Jack, where we'll be talking about Group D, Croatia, Czech Republic, England and Scotland. I hope everyone at home enjoyed and I'll be back next week with Group C.